0: Hi, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of My Words, Our Journey. I'm Monty, your host, and we are currently going through the novel, Defender of Children 2. Today, we're starting with Chapter 25. Most in the two homes had been nervous about moving in with no police protection. No one knew exactly what Gretchen had told the killers. The authorities said they didn't have enough manpower to approve the request. Now that everyone had heard about Trish's friend Stacy, the uneasiness was thick. While there was still much work to do, it seemed that overall, the concentration level was low. That is when Kenny and Sean decided to hire a few good men they had used in the past. They would fly in tomorrow and stay as long as needed. They were expensive, but they were worth every penny if there was to be another attack. It had also been decided that any and all family members should be told of what was happening, and if at all possible, they should go into hiding for a while, at least until this settled down. There was no telling what the killers were capable of. Jill was going to her second cousin's home two hours west of Charlotte. Unfortunately, this was not the first time she had made this move. It was the first time for Renee, and she was reluctant. In the end, she decided to move into a local hotel with nice room service for a few days. Trish had made the dreadful call to her parents. It had gone as expected. They were going to go camping and pray for her. When all the phone calls were made, the four met in the game room. They had to brainstorm. They were being attacked because the killers believed Tilly had told Trish something that she had possibly shared with the group. The only reason to try to take them out was that this information would blow up the case, show Leonard was innocent, incriminate others, or all the above. There had really been little time to focus on the why until now, but as they questioned Trish, she began to get frustrated. She had no idea what the why was. The third time, going back over the night at the bar, she said something that caused Sean to ask her to stop for a minute. This is the first time I heard you say, he couldn't have done it. Did Tilly say, didn't do it, or he couldn't have done it? Trish paused and thought for a few seconds. There was certainly a difference, wasn't there? Sitting back in her chair, she closed her eyes and went back to that night. She could see Tilly eating nachos, and then she heard his voice. When she opened her eyes, she looked straight into those of Leonard and said, he couldn't have done it. Well then, we have something to work to do, don't we? Sean stood, stretched. I think we start with the time of death for each victim, and where Leonard would have been at that time. There was a new sense of urgency now. A string needed to be pulled to begin to pull apart the scheme that had started almost a year ago. The boxes were daunting, but the group split up and began working as soon as they were filled in on what they were trying to accomplish. It was not a given that that this was what Tilly was trying to tell her, but it made the most sense to Sean at the moment. What would prove Leonard's innocent more than the fact he could not have physically been present during one of the murders? It was well past midnight when someone suggested they start fresh the next morning. There was no discussion. As soon as the idea was floated, legs began to move and bodies disappeared into bathrooms and bedrooms throughout the house. Everyone was staying in the same house tonight, at least for tonight. The security would be there tomorrow, and they'd reevaluate then. Chapter 26 The streets were quiet, a slight breeze kept the air cool off the water, and the homes along the path were dark. It was just past 3 a.m. According to intel, this would be the last opportunity before reinforcements arrived soon. The plan was simple. One team had been assembled, taking the best of each and forming one. There were six of them, and they were eager to get their revenge for their fallen companions. Stopping every few minutes to listen for anything that might be out of the ordinary, they stayed in the shadows, black from head to toe, and moving at a snail's pace. Inside, one of the interns was on watch, and he was diligently moving from window to window, but he was up against professionals with a purpose. When it was time, Molotov cocktails were thrown into the windows, two on each floor. Both homes caught fire quickly. Now they waited for the rats to scurry out of the fire. The quickest time the fire department would be able to arrive was eight minutes from the station. This would be over in three tops. As those outside waited, the unlucky ones inside began to gather in the living room. The plan was simple and the only one available at the moment. As the smoke and fire began to spread, everyone knew there would be men outside trying to pick them off as they tried to escape. Kenny, Leonard, and Sean each had keys to one of the vans outside. Without argument or discussion, each man ran, weaving in and out, trying to make themselves as hard of a target as possible. Because if they didn't make it, no one would. Leonard had the closest van, and he made it unscathed. With speed, he whipped the van around and headed north to the side window, where he'd back up as close as he could possibly get and take a third of the group. Sean was next, and he was safely in the van as well, and he headed back to the back porch enclosure, where he would pick up another third. Kenny was last, and he was in the van, but as he put the vehicle in drive, turned the wheel, and pressed the gas pedal, he felt a hot pain in his left shoulder, then again in his side. With everything he had, Kenny backed the van to the front door, jumped from the seat, and threw open the doors. The last of the house guests jumped in, and he was off before the doors closed. Bullets were flying everywhere. Sean was pretty sure he had at least two flat tires, as he could barely see out the broken window. But as far as he could tell, everyone was in one piece, and they were driving away from the immediate danger. Leonard was doing the same, following closely behind his friend. His van was riddled with bullets, but the van was tough. They kept going. He prayed that they would all be okay. Kenny was not far behind, but his vision was beginning to fail, and his windshield had been kicked out so that they'd be able to see as they headed west. Shortly after, police cruisers, EMTs, and fire engines passed at a fast pace. When they were sure they had gone far enough, the vans pulled into a strip mall parking lot, which was empty and dimly lit at this hour. Still, it didn't take long for Trish to realize that Kenny had been shot at least twice the hospital was only a couple minutes ride away and ken refused to have anyone call an ambulance he didn't want the fuss so the parade of vans drove to the hospital it probably wasn't a bad idea since some were bumped and bruised from the fast exit sean had also called the authorities to let them know that no one was in the home so they wouldn't risk their lives he also promised they would stay at the hospital until someone came and took their statements it was all shaping up to me another long day Leonard and Sean watched as their friend was being taken through the double doors. It surprised everyone when Trish yelled, Wait, I'm his wife. He wants me to go back with him. And before anyone could say a word, she was slipping through the same set of doors. As the doors closed behind her, Leonard looked at Sean and said, This mess gets more and more confusing every minute. Chapter 27 At approximately 9 a.m., fans pulled away from the hospital parking lot. They would stop for breakfast then shop for essentials, and finally move into their new accommodations. Sean had called in every favor he could call in, and they'd be spending the rest of their time on the East Coast within the confines of the U.S. Coast Guard station, Riceville Beach. Accommodations were made, a large food delivery order was placed, and the boardroom essentials that they needed had been ordered and same day delivered. Miss Williams was worth every penny she was paid. Sean had told her what they needed and what they had gone through, And within 20 minutes, his phone was giving him updates. He would have to give her a gift of some sort when he was finally back home and this was over, he thought, as he pulled into the Waffle House parking lot. Everyone in the group looked exactly like they should after the ordeal they had gone through. A smile crossed his lips as he pictured the staff and customers seeing them coming in. Then he laughed to himself when he thought about Trish and what she had pulled at the hospital. With Kenny in surgery, she'd probably been fed, gotten a good rest, long shower, kicked her feet up, and was watching TV, waiting for her imaginary husband to return. Sean wasn't far off. Trisha's husband was kind of a celebrity, so they'd been given a private room. She'd gotten a warm shower, and one of the nurses had let her borrow borrow some of her workout gear, so she didn't have to put back on the smoky shorts and tees she'd been wearing. The food wasn't great, but it was okay. In the hospital bed, it was fine for resting. Trish had gotten a few updates. By her estimation, Kenny should be back in the room within the hour. Not sure how that was going to go, she thought as she flipped the channel to HDTV, closed her eyes, and let, th- let the thought go away. An hour later, she was awoken by the sound of movement at the door. She was up and in the visitor's chair faster than a jackrabbit out of the r- running the fox. When the nurses brought the sleepy Kenny into the room, she smiled, gave a weary wave, and moved out of the way so they could do what they needed to do. When they were done... They asked her if she needed anything, and then they were gone. They did say he'd probably be out another couple hours, and when he woke up, he would be extremely sore. She listened intently like any good wife would do. About an hour later, Trish opened her eyes to see Kenny looking at her with a questionable gaze. Good morning. How are you feeling? Trish said with a smile. Okay, I guess. Confused. Good. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I just didn't want you being alone when you woke up, so... Before anything else could be said, a nurse came bouncing in the room with water and a couple of pills for Kenny. She was heading out the door when she turned and said, Oh, Miss Costco, someone will be showing you how to properly change your husband's bandages once you're home. Then she was gone. Kenny repeated, confused. The killer was confused as well. How is this happening? He did not work with amateurs. He surrounded himself with competent, highly skilled men. They were battle-tested. Were the detectives just that lucky because that was the only thing that made sense to him he'd been listening to the scanner when the whole thing went down his blood pressure and the scanner almost went through the roof when he heard a short time after the initial call that everyone had escaped their homes not to attempt to go in there was a chance they knew nothing and this was all for naught but there was an equal chance as far as he was concerned that the reporter had learned something from the dock worker that spiked her interest enough to get involved, and now she seemed to be part of their team. After Gretchen, it was now more difficult to get to someone in the group, as it should be. But he had to do something. Risking his and others' lives on luck or chance was not how they were built, so another plan would be put into place. As he sat in his recliner, eyes closed, and let everything that happened so far flow over him, letting his mind free, all options open. Then the second cell phone rang. When it rang, it was seldom good news, and this was no exception. The group was moving into a military base. Chapter 28 Tris was napping in the chair adjacent to the bed, and Kenny was half listening to the news when Sean called to check in and fill him in on their new accommodations. Kenny told him, at this point, it looked like he'd probably be in the hospital for at least a few more days, depending on his progress. Sean took the opportunity to ask if he and his wife had called Renee yet. Kenny did not find it funny and let his friend know. But to be honest, he hadn't called her. She would drop everything and run to his side, and he didn't want to put her in danger. When he laid the phone down, Trish asked without opening her eyes, Everything okay? Um, yeah, we're moving into a military base next. We'll see how bad they want us then. I'm sure he had something to say about your wife hanging around. He did. Um, he asked if I'd call my fiancé, and I told her, Mm, told him I hadn't called yet. "'Oh, fiancé, this is awkward. "'It's not awkward. "'You're being nice just to stay here with me so I'm not alone. "'We've done nothing inappropriate by anyone's standards. "'I have nothing to feel guilty about.' "'You're right. Then let's call her. "'No, seriously, have I done anything that would warrant me feeling guilty?' "'Trish stood and stretched. "'No, you haven't. I'm going to take a walk while you call her. "'She does need to know you're okay.' Trish completed two laps around the hospital before heading back to the room. She stopped at the door, listened, no talking, so she entered, two candy bars waving in her hand. Sneaking in some contraband, she smiled and laughed with a little nervous laugh. She did not want there to be any weird tension between them. She did think he was cute, liked the way he carried himself, his smile, the way he dressed, smelled. Well, I mean, she just thought he was a nice guy. But the word fiancé made him off-limits. So she was okay just being friends and co-workers until this whole thing was over. She could tell the talk hadn't gone exactly the way he wanted it to, so she didn't press. She stuck the candy bars back in her sweatshirt pocket, and they sat in silence for a while. Finally, Kenny spoke. She was mad someone didn't call her immediately, and that I had to call her when I was out of surgery. She was mad I put myself in harm's way. There are other people that can do that. And she did not, for one second, think it was funny. They pretended to be my wife. Trish almost broke her neck, whipping her head around so fast. Why would you tell her that? Why would you tell her that last part? The two laughed so hard. Trish because men are so stupid. And Kenny because of her reaction when he told her. Finally, Kenny said that he didn't want to talk about it anymore. And so it was dropped. One of them had found an old movie, and they watched in silence. When Trish woke from a short nap a little while later, she heard Kenny on the phone before she opened her eyes. She deduced he was talking to Sean or Leonard, and that made her nervous. When he got off the phone, he filled her in. Chapter 29 A hospital during the day can be a non-stop roller coaster ride. During most nights, however, it's more like an abandoned building. Empty hallways, void of noise for the most part, phones not ringing, room doors are mostly closed or close to it. The limited night shift workers have an, an enormous building to themselves for the most part, while patients and most of the rest of the world sleeps. That would have been the case for Judy Sims, if not for the patient and his wife in room 424. Two armed security types had arrived about 40 minutes after Kenny and Sean had gotten off the phone and instructed the staff they'd be guarding room 424. The local authorities did not have the resource to despair to the staff to keep the room covered, so this would have to be done privately. Now, as she told the four local cops that stood outside, where room the patient, his wife, and the two guards were located, she hoped that the night would have no more excitement. She preferred the overnight shift for a reason. As she took a sip of her coffee and looked out past the parking lot, she just wished the shift was over. On the fourth floor, the security detail was drinking coffee and watching the nothing nothingness that was going on in the hallways. This was the part of the job they both agreed was the worst standing around at ready for something that would probably never happen but things sometimes did happen and when it did these two were the best the pair took a deep breath and had their guns at the ready when the elevator indicated that it was about to open when the doors opened everyone seemed surprised to see each other for the two with the guns pointed at the inside of the elevator it was a shock of seeing four uniformed officers staring at them with raised hands like don't shoot and for the four cops inside, it was the act of seeming surprise that there was two armed guards pointing guns at them. Can we help you? the taller of the two guards asked blankly. Well, first I'd suggest you lower your weapons, and then we can talk, said the closest policeman. I don't think that'd be a good idea on we new who we're dealing with. Sorry, we're not the very trusting sort. He could tell they wanted to protest. After all, if they were real cops, they had guns pointed straight at them. They were essentially in a box just waiting to be off Slowly and reluctantly, the four slid their credentials across the floor. As the second guard knelt to pick them up, he was shot in the shoulder at the same time his partner was shot in the leg. Both men returned fire, kicking the door directly behind them and entering the room. 424. Trish and Kenny were suddenly awake, Trish up and moving behind the chair she had been sli- trying to sleep in. Kenny, helpless in the hospital bed, Four men, armed, maybe down to two now, one of the men said in a calm voice. Trish, without a word, grabbed her purse and ran into the bathroom. When she returned, she slowly but methodically began moving Kenny and his bed and all his medical equipment into the bathroom. Luckily for them, it was a handicap accessible, so everything would fit. When they were in, she closed the door and locked it. A minute later, she could hear the gunfire erupt in the other room. As Trish looked around, now the crowded bathroom, she had no idea what she was going to do if they came into the room. Kenny was staring at the door. Trish realized he was drugged to the ease of the pain of the surgery. He probably was still processing. Before she could let that sink in, the doorknob rattled, and then exploded as the weapon took out the whole mechanism, and it landed hard on the tile floor. Entry into the room was slow and calculated. The killer had to know it was his target. It was crucial that he report back that the right man and woman were no longer a threat so he inched his way into the room immediately shooting three shots into the shower curtain after seeing only the man in the bed the woman he hoped would have been hiding in the shower and he deemed the unknown more of a threat than the man lying in the bed looking drugged after the three shots without hesitation he turned the gun towards the hospital bed and its current hostage before he could pull the trigger trish screamed as she fired hitting the man once in the knee and once in the hip falling to the floor with his cheek on the cool tile trish whispered how many more we failed zali said before she put one more close range through his forehead when sean and leonard entered the room a few minutes later they were taken back they had been sure after seeing what happened outside the bathroom that trish and kenny would have been lost it appeared death and destruction was following them everywhere they tried to go And I think we'll stop right there for today. A little shorter episode, but a lot happened in that episode for us to digest. So we're going to stop there for today. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and enjoying the journey. Again, my name is Monty, and thank you for listening. Have a great day.